Welcome to One Cause Church. We hope you enjoy this inspirational message. Defeating the Giants. Today I want to talk to you about defeating the Giants. Anybody here have any Giants that you've had to defeat, that you've, that you've ever faced? Everybody faces challenges. The Bible is full of stories of how to overcome challenges and defeat your Giants. I, I, uh, I don't think that anybody here ever has questioned the power and authority of Almighty God. The devil doesn't even question that. Nobody questions God's authority. So it's not a revelation to say, I believe God is powerful. That's not a revelation at all. You're just, you're just saying what everybody says. In fact, that very thought is what makes some people not, not want to trust God, not want to follow the Lord, and, call, and claim the, that they're atheists. Because the atheists I have spoken to, if I corner them, and I've won a few of them to Jesus... I have. Then take about 30 minutes of intelligent conversation with them to make them understand they're not atheists. They're just angry or hurt or they believe the wrong thing about God. And it always comes to this. If there is a God, why does he allow, and he's good, why does he allow such injustices and evil stuff going on in the world? Tell me about that. And they use it as their excuse because they know if there is a God, He is all-powerful. Even atheists know that God is all-powerful. And if He's all-powerful, then He could stop all this bad stuff. See, they get a wrong idea. It's not a revelation to anybody to know that God is all-powerful. It's a revelation to, to know that He's powerful in you. There's where the revelation comes from. We worship him. Our God is awesome. Our God is awesome. Our God is awesome. Our God is awesome. And that's what you should say. But you still haven't entered the realm of revelation yet. Everybody knows that. The devil knows that. We're just willing to do it publicly and say our God is awesome. Our God is strong. Our God is stronger than your God. But you're still not in the realm of revelation. Everybody knows that. You're only doing what is your absolute duty. Doesn't even take faith to do that. The devil doesn't operate in faith. Are you hearing me? I love worship, but that's not where the realm of revelation comes from. The Bible never says worship God to get revelation. The Bible says hear the word of God to get revelation. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I could have had a V8. I, I knew that. <laughs> Are you hearing me? I want you to hear me today. Because what we have to be convinced of is this awesome, powerful God is awesomely powerful in us. And he's not going to fight our battles for us. He said he would to Israel. He said, I'll fight your battles for you. No, he's not fighting his battle, any battles for us today. He fought one battle once and for all on a lonely hill called Golgotha, and he did it all by himself. Yeah. Took on the big man himself. All these little skirmishes, all these little kings, all these little puny these little puny gods. Remember puny God? I love that Hulk. All these little puny gods that you fight all the time, they're nothing to him because he has already taken on Lucifer himself, the big daddy of devils, and defeated him in three days. Took on the great... Have you ever heard of a war lasting three days? 
Even Israel has to take six. Six day war. He took on the worst enemy of mankind, death itself, and won. Whether he's powerful or not is not in question. Whether you will believe he's powerful in you is all that is left to answer. We beg God too much. I was on my campus the other day, and a bunch of the faculty had come together to pray against what the police told us was a credible threat to our campus from some hoodlums who were talking about attacking us. And some of my staff was leading the prayer, and they were praying and praying, and different ones were leading out. And they were, oh, God, oh, God. And they were weeping and mourning and moaning. And I sat there in disbelief. I could hardly believe my ears what was coming out of these people that are teaching my students. Pleading with God to do something. And after it was over, I didn't say anything. The, the leader of the prayer group said, Dr. Holler, do you have anything to add? I said, well, now that you mention it, I do. I said, you need to stop being afraid, all of you. And I shouted this at them, just like I'm going to shout it to you. I do not have to beg my father to protect me. Come on, somebody, say amen. amen. Better pray for the devil because something bad's about to happen to him. Take your Bible and turn to 1 Samuel 17. First Samuel 17. I want to read this to you. A letter I found. Dear Harry, we've been neighbors for six tumultuous years. When you borrowed my snowblower, you returned it in pieces. When I was sick, you blasted Metallica in your front yard. When your dog decorated my lawn, you laughed about it as I tiptoed around all of his droppings. I could go on, but I'm not one to hold grudges. So I'm writing this letter to tell you that your house is on fire. Sincerely, Carl. <laughs> You'll see how that fits in in just a moment. 1 Samuel 17, verse 19. 1 Samuel 17, verse 19. Do we have it up there? Now Saul and they... Oh, you got the grown-up Bible up there this time. That's awesome. <laughs> now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. And David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep of the keeper and took and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the trench as the host was going forward to the fight and shouted for battle. For Israel and the Philistines had put the battle in array, army against army. And David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriages. And ran into the army and came and saluted his brethren. And as, they, and as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion 
the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines, and spake according to the same words, and David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when, uh, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man that is come up? Surely to defy Israel is he come up. And it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich him with great riches, number one, and give him his daughter, number two, and make his father's house free in Israel. That's free from taxation in Israel, number three. Verse 26, And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, Whoa, 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 whoa. What shall be done to the man that kills this Philistine? And takes away the reproach from Israel. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Everybody say uncircumcised Philistine. That he should defy the armies of the living God. There's two points here I want you to see. That David got up early. And David heard, began to act on what he had heard. There is something important that you need to know about Christianity. You have the victory. Even though Jesus said, count the cost before you start to build. You don't count the cost before you start to fight. Because the fight has already been determined. The outcome of the fight has already been determined. Jesus won. And he did not win for himself. He won for you. So when there's a fight going on, you need to be in it. Glory to God. Because you, when you're in the fight, you put a punctuation mark on the ending. That means that there's certain victory for you because of who you are and who Christ is in you. You have the victory, praise God. You have the victory every time. Even if it kills you, the devil, the devil can't really kill you. For to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Devil, you lose no matter what you do to me. So get in the fight. Don't be afraid of the fight. Act immediately. Everybody say act immediately. When you know there's something afoot, when you know there's trouble coming your way, act immediately. Start confessing the word of God. Get it in your mouth and talk back to your circumstances. Talk back to the devil. Talk back to the bank. Talk back to the doctor. Talk back to your, your symptoms. Because delayed obedience is disobedience. They were 40 years in the wilderness because of disobedience. Because they spent too much time thinking about what used to be instead of where we were going. You spend your life thinking about what was, was or what could have been. You will live your life in agony and defeat. And the agony of defeat. Verse 27. And the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that kills him. So he's heard it a second time. And Eliab, his elder brother, came up. You know what he said. What are you doing out here? You come to see the blood. Yeah, like there's a lot of bloodshed going on, you chickens. <laughs> Verse 29, and David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? So David is pointing at the giant, no doubt. And he turned from him toward another, verse 30, and spake after the same manner. And the people answered him again after the former, former manner. That's the third time he has heard about the promises. You know what? I find that Christians spend too much time in all the prohibitions of the Bible. They love reading the thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. They don't know that this is a covenant based upon promises, not, a, not upon restrictions. 
This is a covenant based upon better promises, not upon restrictions. Spend your time reading the Bible for its promises and focus on the promises. That's the second thing. Focus on the promises. If you'll focus on the promises of the Word of God, you'll have a better life. Anybody here use a better life? You'll have a better life if you'll focus on the promises. I mean, every moment you're distracted by the circumstances of your life is a moment you will never get back. Every moment you spend concerned about circumstances is a moment you will never get back. And you, you know what I'm talking about. You have worried and worried before and worried and worried. And, and it, you, when you got to the moment when you thought it was just, oh, everything's going to crash, it didn't crash. Were any of you alive during Y2K? Come on, how much, how much water did you save up in gallon jugs? Jeannie said, not a drop. I was walking by faith. Y2K, for you young people, 15 years ago, they told us the world was going to come to an end. They said all the computers are going to shut down. You're not going to be able to, your refrigerator won't work. You won't be able to go into stores. All the security alarms are, are, are going to shut down. I said, well, will the highway patrol's radar be working? Because that's a, that's a good thing. It's a few things I kind of want to happen. <laughs> Sorry for all you lawmen that are here. I'm just kidding. Sort of. But it didn't go down. You can either focus on what you think is going to be bad that's coming, like the sword of Damocles, you know, that was ever moving closer to the poor dude who's strapped to a table till it sawed him in half. They usually died of heartbreak, they said. They died of terror or bust a blood vessel or something because of the sheer terror of seeing the sword come down before it ever got to the poor dude, cut him in half. You would hope so. But most people live their lives with the sword of Damocles hanging over their heads when in fact you can live your life in pure, unadulterated joy by knowing that you already have the victory and somebody already fought and won it for you. Listen, even if you're dragged to court in heaven, you get there in court. Your father's the judge. Hi, <laughs> Dad. How cool is this? The prosecuting attorney is your elder brother. <laughs> hey, this is rigged. I, I can't lose. That's why, in, that's why in regular courts here on this earth, they have to recuse themselves. God's not recusing himself because there ain't anybody that can take his place. He has no peers. He's the ultimate one, and he happens to be your father. You have to stop thinking of God as your judge and think of him as your father. I am not going to be judged by Almighty God. I was judged by Almighty God at a place called Golgotha, praise God. All my sins were taken away, and God's justice has prevailed and prevails to this day because of faith in Jesus. Verse 31, when the words were heard, listen to this, and when, and when the words were heard which David spake, he rehearsed them before Saul, and he sent him, he sent for him. Because David was saying, hey, I'll take out this Philistine, this uncircumcised Philistine. It's un what does uncircumcised mean? David's not talking about how great and powerful God is alone. He does, he does mention that, but it's not, that's not all he's talking about. 
by saying this uncircumcised Philistine, he's trying to point out to the men, God is strong in us. This guy, what that tells you is that, that, that an enemy without a covenant has no chance against somebody who's in covenant with God. And after the words, and when the words were heard which David spoke, they brought him to Saul. Saul said to Saul, Saul David said to Saul, verse 32, Let no man's heart fail because of him, this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you're, you're not able to do this, as you know, what, and you know what happened, how the conversation went. And David said in verse 34, Thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came out a lion and a bear, and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went after him, and smote him, and delivered him out of his mouth. And when he rose up against me, I caught him by his beard, and smote him, and slew him. I love the way it says in the King James Bible, smote him, and slew him. In Texas, he just beat him to death. He just beat him to death. He just beat him and beat him and beat him and beat him. It wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. It was not enough to get a temporary victory and just save the lamb. He had to destroy the enemy and the potential of him coming back. Number three, recall past victories. Recall past victories. This is what David was doing here. I've told people this over the years. Maybe some of you have heard me say this. I'm a farm boy from Oklahoma. We raised animals. They were always giving birth in the edge of the woods where the coyotes were. Seems like we, we'd lose a calf here and there. Dogs packing up together before my daddy could shoot them. It's almost unthinkable that this boy was a farm boy all his life, raising sheep and goats, and never lost a lamb. But on this day, when he's facing this big bad giant and the king, he doesn't bring up anything about losing any lambs. All he'll talk about and all he'll let himself think about are the victories he won. Are you hearing me? Don't think about the times you tried it and flopped. Keep thinking, thinking about those times when you tried it and it worked. Because if it worked once, it'll work again, praise God. Yeah. Recall past victories when you're in trouble. Get your, yeah. get your mouth working right and talk about the good things, the times when you've seen victorious events take place in your life. Yeah. Passover is a remembrance to remember that they, they walked out of Egypt free. Communion is a, is a remembrance. It's about how we walked out of our sins free. Yeah. Jesus came into our lives. We celebrate on Sunday for a really good reason. You know why we celebrate on Sunday? We don't celebrate on Friday, do we? Once or twice a year. <laughs> we celebrate Sunday because that's the day Jesus won. That's the day he rose from the dead. We didn't know he won at Golgotha. We did not know that, but he did. But, it, but they knew he had won on Sunday morning, praise God. We don't meet on Saturday because that's the Jewish rest day. We meet on Sunday because we're always pointing up victory. We're always pointing up victory. He rose on Sunday morning, praise God. That's why you rise up on Sunday morning and come to church to celebrate in a victory. Not to celebrate in a death, but to celebrate a victory, praise God. Amen. 
Are you hearing me? I like this. Verse 36 says, Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. He's just better than an animal. He's little better than an animal. I'm going to treat him with the same disgust and disdain that I treated the lion and the bear, who were thieves themselves. David said, Moreover, the Lord hath delivered me out of the paw of the lion, and out of the paw of the bear, and he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. So the fourth thing I want you to see is hold on to your confession of faith. You've got to hold on to your confession of faith. The Bible teaches us because there's all kinds of things out there to try to get you to stop. Stop talking faith. Like something that happened to you that you don't understand. Am I in the right house? Have, I, have any of you ever had something happen you don't understand? It comes to steal the word out of your heart and to keep you from confessing the word keeps you from acting like you already have won the victory because you had this failure, you had this flop. you got to hold on to your confession of faith. Hold on to it. That is, when everything in the circumstances that look, tells you to stop believing God and your heart is failing, let your mouth guide you. Let the Word of God guide you. Because your life will go in the direction of that which you truly believe. And what you believe is dictated by what you constantly confess and hear. If you believe that sickness somehow comes from the Lord, you'll die sick. But if you believe that sickness is of the devil, you'll fight back. You'll fight back. You'll fight back. Verse 38. And Saul armed David with his armor, and he put a helmet of brass upon his head. Also he armed him with a coat of mail. And David girded his sword upon his armor, and he tried to go, and it, but it, for he had not proved it. And David said uh, unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. And David put them off him. And he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones. I wish I could preach about a week on five smooth stones out of the brook. And put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had, even in a scrip. And his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. David knew, knew that he could not trust in the armaments of men. Because he had had an experience in the chapter just before this chapter of, of, of the prophet Samuel coming out to his place and anointing him. He was the true anointed king of Israel. He didn't hold the office, but he, but he, he held the anointing. The anointing had left Saul, and the anointing was now on David. So if you have the choice to take an office or the anointing, pick the anointing, glory to God. Learn to trust the anointing. I uh, want to finish the story I started earlier. I was driving across the campus one day. Drove out onto the main street there, Conway. And I saw a young man walking along there who looked like a gangbanger to me, the way he was dressed, the way he was walking, just his attitude. He's walking along there with a, with a young girl and pushing a stroller with a baby in it. And my first opinion was to say, my first thought was, 
Get a job. What are you doing out here in the middle of the day? Old man thinking. It's not always bad. That's what I thought. And I realized instantly that God had another opinion. God said to me, give him some money. Now, y'all know I didn't think that up on my own. (laughs) Especially knowing in my wallet, I had two pieces of money. I had two $100 bills. I didn't think that up all by myself. I said, Lord, you know all I have is two $100 bills. He said, give him some money. And I said, Lord, with two $100 bills, my choices of how much money to give him are limited. It's either $100 or $200. And I don't really like either choice. (laughs) The Lord said, give him some money. So I reached in my wallet and seemed and felt like the Lord gave me the option of choosing which to give him. I gave him 100, not two. I'm just being honest with you. Pulled out $100 bill and rolled it up, stuck it in my pocket, parked my car, got out of my car. By this time, they'd moved down the street a little ways. I jumped out of my car and ran toward them. And I said, Hey, 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 can I talk to you for a minute? This young man turned around and stared at me, scowled at me, had a real rough look on his face. I just kept walking toward him. And he said, he just looked at me. I said, can I talk to you just for a minute? I have to tell you something. I don't know you, don't know anything about you. But what I do know is that God has you on his mind and Jesus loves you very much. He has you on his mind. He cares about you deeply. Or he wouldn't be telling me to do what I'm doing right now. I pulled that $100 bill out and handed it to that boy. And he took it, looked at me, and he said, my name's Gerard. This is, uh, I missed the girl's name. He introduced her. And he introduced his baby to me. He said, what's your name? I said, I'm John. I'm, I'm the director here at this Bible college. And he put his arms out and hugged me. We just stood there, young black gangbanger, old white preacher, in a love embrace that only God could orchestrate. We just stood there loving on each other for a minute. I said, you go in peace. God bless you. He said, God bless you, sir. They turned around and walked off. And I turned around and went back to my, toward my car, and on my way back to my car, Feeling like Superman. You know what I'm talking about? You know you feel like Superman when you do that kind of thing. Walked back to my car. And the Lord said to me, you just dealt with that threat. We'd called the cops about the threat they'd made. And the Lord told me, you just dealt with that threat. And we've had no incidents whatever. Can I get a good amen? Amen. Learn to trust the anointing. Because the anointing is going to guide you to love. (laughs) And to give. Amen. 
Verse 41. The Philistine came on and drew near to, unto David, and the man that bare the shield went before him. And, and by the way, I don't have any more $100 bills in my pocket today. <laughs> just, in, just in case you're thinking. I'm hoping Heather does. When the Philistine looked about and saw David, he, he disdained him, for he was but a youth and ruddy and, and of a fair complexion, fair kind of ruddy means he was red. And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and the beasts of the field. Now listen to me. David didn't even act like he heard him. So my sixth point here is to tell you, pay no attention to what the devil says. He has an opinion. But Jesus said he's the father of all lies. He was a murderer from the beginning. Okay, you understand this? Well, who did he murder? He murdered Adam and Eve. They died the day he gave them advice. Remember? He's a lying murderer. And everything he thinks about, everything he says to you, every negative thought you ever have comes from the devil. Did you know that? He, and he's really good at making you think things you don't want to think. Because he was good, with, he was good with the generation before you, the generation before them, the generation before them, all the way back to the Civil War, all the way back to the Revolutionary War, all the way back to the Dark Ages, all the way back to the first century, all the way back to Socrates, Plato, and Aristotle, and, be, and beyond. The devil has been good at this for a long time, convincing men to do something that's beyond their, outside their nature. Make the sweetest, most peaceable woman violent and throwing things. I'm not talking about Miss Ann exactly, but uh, <laughs> you guys don't look at don't look her right in the eye, man. Don't look right at her. <laughs> Pay no attention to what the devil says. Verse 45. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with sword and spear and shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will smite you and take your head from you, and I will give your carcasses, I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day to the fowls of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Now skip on down. Verse 48, and it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came to draw near to meet David, that David hasted and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. This is a kid looking for a fight. He runs toward the giant. So number seven, you've got to act like you've already won the victory. If you're going to defeat your giants, you have to act right now like you have already won because indeed you have. The, 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 the battle is rigged. The court is rigged. Everybody who's going to judge you is related to you. Glory to God. Kept his confession and actions in line with his faith. See, this is how God created the world. God wanted light, so he talked about light. He did not talk about darkness when he wanted light. You want healing? You've got to stop talking about your sickness. Start talking about your healing. What if God had said that? Stepped out on the edge of space and looked around and said, you know, y'all know James Weldon Johnson, the great, the great African-American poet, the, maybe the best ever. 
he wrote a poem called The Creation. And God stepped out on space and looked around and said, I'm lonely. I'll build me a world. As far as the eye could see, darkness covered everything. Blacker than a hundred midnights down in a cypress swamp. Then God smiled and the light broke. Anyway, it goes on and on. God started talking about what he wanted. Let there be light. He didn't look around at the angels. Hey, y'all see how dark it is? Don't you wish somebody would do something about this darkness? I wish this darkness would just go away. Why does it always have to be dark out there? Don't y'all get tired of darkness? Dark, 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 everywhere you look. I wish somebody would do something about darkness. Hey, turn on the light, bozo. Let there be light. Can't keep talking about what's wrong until you start talking about what's right. What you want, what you expect. You've heard me say this, but one time... One time, you, my dog ran away. Heard Johnny Moffat say he lived out in West Texas. He lived in Lub- Lubbock, Texas. Did he tell you that, that here? He lived out in Lubbock, Texas. He said, it's so flat out there. He said, I watched my dog run away for three days. <laughs> if you're... <laughs> Moffat. If your dog is gone, you don't stand out there in the back, backyard and say, well, my dog is gone. My dog is gone. My dog gone. Dog is gone. What good is that going to do you? None. None. What do you do when your dog is gone? You start calling for that dog. Hell, 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 hell. Hell, hell, hell. You start calling for what you want, not what you don't have. Amen. The eighth thing is use the gifts you have. They are powerful. Use the gifts you have. They are powerful. And David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and slang it and smote the Philistine in his forehead that the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell upon his face to the earth. Just use the gifts you have. What do you have in your hand? What is your ability? Miss Ann and I, years ago, we decided we were going to start giving. So we started giving. Started giving to causes we love. Gave to our church first. Then we gave to, just started giving money away. And I heard someone tell me, uh, I heard a report on television actually, that Pat Robertson gave half his salary away. Did you know that? He gives half his money, half his salary away. And I heard about uh, Frida Lindsay. She gave her entire salary away. Now, she, as soon as the government started paying her Social Security, she just lived on that and gave her, her salary that, that Christ of the Nations paid her back. I said, I want to be a giver like that. So I made up my mind, Miss Ann and I, that we were going to end our life by giving away half our salary. You know, at the end of your life, you give away everything. <laughs> And your kids, all those, all those collections that you have, all that nice stuff that you, that, you, that you drool over and you spend your life collecting, they're all going to drag it into the driveway and sell, it, sell them for 15 cents a piece. You know that, right? It's called a garage sale. That's kind of rough, isn't it? I bought old man's tools. I could tell these tools had been so lovingly cared for for 50 cents. 
I always feel ashamed for about that long enough to take the thing home and use it. But you don't need great gifting. You just need to use what you have in your hand. So we just decided we didn't have a lot of money to start. We, we were already tithers. But every time we got a raise, we went up one percentage point. We got another raise, went up another percentage point. Got another raise, went up another percentage point, and on and on and on. And now, 61 years old, we're, we're giving about 30% of our salary away. Amen. I don't know if I'm going to make it, but it's still my goal. I'm planning to give half my salary away before I go to heaven. Is it quiet in here? You all afraid I'm about to take up an offering or something? (laughs) I'm just telling you, you need some. You you just use what you have. You don't have to get a million dollars before you start giving. Just do what you can do. Amen. Verse, Verse 50. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and smote the Philistine that slew him and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood upon the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of the sheath thereof and slew him and cut off his head therewith. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. Now, apparently, apparently he only knocked him out with the stone and finished the job with the giant's own sword. He'd already been using the giant's own words against him. He said, I'm going to feed you to the, feed your carcasses. Well, David said that back to him. And then when he went up there, he killed him with his own sword. Oh, I love that. But that, what that tells you is, back to this other point we made earlier, remember, you need to finish what you start. He didn't just beat the lion bad enough to make him drop the lamb. He beat him to death. Here, He's not going to let this giant live with a headache. He's not going to let him live with a concussion. He's going to take his life. So learn to finish what you start. Amen. Whatever it is that's setting you back, get rid of it. Get it out of your life quickly. Finish what you start. If you make a New Year's commitment, and I do every year, sometimes I make it all the way to February but I keep making them because it's an awesome opportunity to start over. It's an awesome opportunity to start over. I keep making them. And every year, you know what's on my list? Lose weight. Come on, come on, let me see your hands. How many of you agree with me? I may not be the right preacher, but this is the right message, that's for sure. Learn to finish what you start. And then it says, now notice this. And the men of Israel and of Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines. Hey, where were these guys earlier? Forty days you've been setting the battle in array and you're hiding behind the bushes. It says they arose and pursued the Philistines until you come to the valley and the gates of Ekron and the wounded of the Philistines fell down by the way of Shaaraim. Sha'aram, even unto Gath and unto Ekron. What? What? You could have beaten them all along? You waited 40 days? Wait until a teenager shows up with a toy to kill the... De- Why 
What you need to know about your actions of faith is understand that your actions will impact, compel, and inflame others to find who they really are in God. They were circumcised men all along. They had a covenant all along. But it took somebody leading the way. Glory to God. That's why you keep coming to church. Amen. Keep yourself inspired to do the right thing. To be all that you can be in God. Defeat your giants. Because you don't have to live in defeat. Make the devil live in defeat. He earned it. Amen. Come on, somebody shout amen. Thank you, Father, for this day. Thank you for the Word of God today. Thank you for the people of God. We thank you, Lord, that you taught us through the Word to act immediately, to focus on the promises, to recall past victories and hold on to our confession of faith, to learn to trust the anointing, to pay no attention to what the devil says, to act like we have already won, to use the gifts we have because they're so powerful, and to finish what we start and understand that our actions will impact, compel, and inflame others to action. Father, help your people now to receive this. I pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Christ upon everyone in this, in this building today. In Jesus' name. I pray for those who are challenged, those who are hurting to be all they can be, to be encouraged by the message of faith today, that this is not the end. This is not the end. Glory to God. No, no, no amount of trouble means the end. The end doesn't come until we win, glory to God, until Jesus calls it all finished and we arrive in glory with him. Thank you, Lord, for this, this day. Thank you for this word and these people. In Jesus' matchless name, amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.